1: 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
3: Really loud. Leave it like that. Just leave it on. <laughs> Blasting my ear holes out. Alright, welcome. Uh, episode 304. The most iconic Well, there we go. Another button's so, Wow. But let's leave all this in. Let people know how hard it is to do this job. It is hard. <laughs> Should I turn my volume down? Or no, you're good. It's just so it's so loud. Is a lot in your ears, Eddie? No, it sounds great to me, man. Yeah, great. Uh, the most iconic songs according to science. Eddie and I will talk about that. Uh, Ashley Cook on going TikTok viral on an accident. And a clip from the biz tape, a podcast I really like. And The Shape of Touring, the touring business. They, I hope you guys subscribe to that podcast after you hear this clip. Just a really good one. Um, all right. New music top five, which, and Eddie rarely sits in for this, but we are in the same room, so I thought, why not? Come on.
4: Thank you, man. I'm right here. Why
3: yeah, not? Why not? Uh, not a lot of music out this week.
4: Because 4th of July, That's right? What does that mean?
3: Well, during holidays, people usually don't put out new music
4: specifically
3: on those weekends.
4: See, I would think like we're going into a big weekend. They probably want some fresh music to take to the lake. Mm -hmm. But I guess that's not the way the record biz works. Not really. I uh,
3: am someone who, though, I believe that you should put out music on like a Tuesday. Yeah, or any day of the week, right? Well, because then you're not in that mix of, oh, crap. We got seventy four other releases out. Wait,
4: have we done that? Yeah, every time. That's <laughs> yeah, why I do it. I noticed that. Like, it's an odd day to release music, but well, that's so smart.
3: And like Netflix does like their drops on Fridays. They do Friday. I saw Disney Plus is doing Wednesday. Wednesdays. That's now. why our day yeah. for Breaking My Bones got moved. Because we were going to be that Friday and then they moved it to that next Wednesday. They're like, we're not They're like, we're not dumb. We'll put it out on a different day, so we're not in the mix. So I'm a big believer in but it used to happen on a, on a Tuesday because that's how they counted record sales. Yes, that was Tuesday music. Ended. And then it was a Friday doing the same thing, but now nobody, can. there's no counting really. Who cares? Unless you're trying to win an award a, a for the week, you put your song out when nobody else is. Yeah. Uh, that's why I work in the record business, which I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I probably am not knowing 80 things right now. Uh, number five, Jason Isbell and the 400 unit put out Sad But True from the Metallica album. Which, down No, that's... Is that not it? No, that's Inter-Sam, man. Oh. Yeah. This Sad But True is... Sad But True! Yes. This is the original one. Sad But, but True! Jam, <laughs> dude. Here is uh Jason Isbell. I hope it's a little... I'm your dream, I'm astray, I'm
5: your eyes when you're away, I'm your pain while you remain. You know it's Sad But True. Definitely
3: got an Elvis... Black and white Interesting. vibe to it. I
4: like it. I uh, mean, I don't think people realize how hard it is to take a song that already has its shape, like Metallica Savature, and then make, make it into something completely different. That's really, not, it's not that easy. How would have done Polka?
3: If they would have gone to me. <laughs> Straight up. Uh, Natalie Hemby has a new song out called Heroes. Lanco released their Honky Tonk Hippies EP. Here's the title track to that. I'm
1: a hippie, a hippie.
3: Riley Green released a new seven-song EP called Behind the Bar. It has his current single, If It Wasn't for Trucks. He's got an interesting take on songs, because he had that song, too, like, What If Grandpa's Never Died. Yes. He always wants I to know. I wish Grandpa's But whatever. Never he always now. wants to know, like. What, what if. Yeah, like, what if trees didn't grow? He's probably
4: a deep thinker. <laughs> what I if, like that.
3: What if plants weren't green?
4: Because he doesn't look like a deep thinker. He what looks the, like a what, dumb jock. What
3: if the sky was below us? <laughs> what if? What if? <laughs> uh, and here is the title track, uh, Behind the Bar.
5: Behind the Bar in a parking lot between the church and cars spot where the drinks are free, smoke is green, tailgates down, wearing boots and jeans,
1: everybody's living and loving and buzzing underneath the neon stars, behind the bar.
3: Johnny Cash released, sort of, he's not alive. His anymore, people but did. I'm Going to Memphis, it's from a Never Heard Johnny Cash live album, uh, it happened at the Carousel Ballroom, April 24th, 1968, and uh, here you go. Come on
5: and I'll be gone, I'm going to Memphis, yeah I've never been to Chicago, but it must be a mighty fine place I couldn't get past Tennessee with Mississippi all over my face I'm going to Memphis Pretty good, huh? That sounds
3: really good. Yeah, pretty good. I was watching this uh, documentary on Netflix about uh, Tanya Tucker... And Brandi Carlisle was talking about her, and she was like, listen, Tanya Tucker kind of doesn't get the acclaim she deserves because she had some trouble in her life. Drugs, Mm -hmm. uh, scandal. And she's like, but look at Johnny Cash. Dude went to jail. Dude is like celebrated for being with June. He cheated. Yeah. I mean, she nailed it. And I love, don't get me wrong, I love Johnny Cash. He's an Arkansas guy. I loved him as a kid only because he was an Arkansas guy. Now I love him for different reasons, but
4: yeah. Johnny Cash wasn't always a great dude. She's right. I mean, you can do that with a lot of the legends. Mm-hmm. The Chuck Berry's, the Elvis Presleys. I mean, <laughs> these guys yeah. lived crazy lives, man.
3: Did you like that episode? Oh, did you watch it? Yeah. Yeah, that was great. It was pretty good. I think it just showed... Listen, I've often fought the story of if anyone ever says, well, that ain't country, they're just not educated. Because it talks about how Bob Wills and Texas Playboys, that like he was told that wasn't ah. country. Because he took a, a fiddle song and put a band behind him. <laughs> yeah. And, and Pop started playing it and they're like, that ain't country. So it went. Do- oh, that's crazy. Dolly, people. <laughs> pe- pe- uh, Porter Wagner was like, uh, Dolly. Dolly's the pop. She's not. Do- she's not country. Get out of here. Every. You can go through all of them. Mm-hmm. Garth. Uh, they talked about how uh, the outlaw movement. They just made that up to market some music. Yeah. yeah they were like, we just need something to sell records. There was no- nobody was doing outlaw stuff. Willie Nelson's doing the same stuff he was doing. Nobody liked him. They're like, he's just a nerdy guy. So interesting. And we just said they put it on one record, like. Three, of, three, of, three or four people. Yeah, they're like, basically he just grew out his hair and yeah. that was it. <laughs> All <laughs> of a sudden song. he's an outlaw. And then you have the people <laughs> fighting for it, like, oh, I need our outlaw music back. Guys, you basically got the Valentine's card. Yeah. Like, they just created something and fooled
4: you. A few years before that, Willie's wearing a turtleneck with like yeah. a clean cut hair. Willie
3: Nelson did a standards album. Yeah. Like right, at, so whenever, honestly, me, me talking to you, because you're not going to get a bigger history of country music fan than myself. But whenever somebody goes, oh, that ain't country, they're an idiot. They're an idiot. It may not be country as to what they defined in their mind, but they've only defined it on their mind based on what people have told them. But the history of country music is everybody pushing those boundaries in all directions. You didn't tell me Dolly Parton ain't country, and that's what she went through.
4: Yeah, that's crazy.
3: That's what Garth went through. That's what, insert anybody who did something a little bit different, did. did. The first time the electric guitar, the the drums were banned from the Grand Ole Opry. Mm. The first time someone used the drums at the Opry, they were like, we're not doing, this is not country music. The first time they put a amp on a, a, a pedal steel, mm-hmm. they were like, "Guys, what are you doing? This is not country music. Electric guitar. Wow, was not. So drums, pedal steel, electric guitar, Bob Wills, Dolly. You go go down the list. What's this Netflix? This is thing pop? It's, it's one episode of This Is Pop. This is pop. And pop. what sucks is they asked me to do that episode.
4: Oh, <laughs> and I couldn't do it. Oh, really? My sketch, yeah. Then you would have been perfect for that.
3: I was watching that thinking, man, Bobby would have been good on this. And they did <laughs> ask me to go do it. And I didn't because I couldn't get to where they were shooting here in town. Ah. I was gone. And I never thought it would show up. And I was like, oh, that, there's that show they asked me to do. And I watched it. And I was like, holy crap, this is good. And, but they have other episodes too. They, they watch the Boys and Men one? Oh, no, that's the only one I've seen. Oh, they're good. The Boys and Men one's great. T Pain. Man, I thought the T-Pain was going to be boring because it's about auto-tune and mm-hmm. how the guy, T-Pain didn't invent auto-tune, he just used it. He figured out what it was, uh, but T-Pain can really sing, um, and so his life was pretty terrible for a while. Really? People. Yeah, because people were like, you ruin music. And he's like, no, I just used a tool. Everybody's oh, wow. used a tool.
4: Everyone does that now.
3: People were, he was talking about the, the when you talk to the wire, like Peter Frampton used. He's like, that's a tool people use all the time? That The series is great. It's called what? This is Pop. This is Pop.
4: That sounds really cool.
3: I watched another one, too. I can't remember right now. But I watched him on the flights
4: to and fro. To and fro. <laughs> to and fro. From California.
3: <laughs> uh, but the the country, Orville Peck. It was interesting because he was the guy that was hosting it. I don't know much about him. I've seen him on mm-hmm. stuff. You never, I don't know. You do never see his face. But have you ever seen his face? Yeah, I think he used to be in a different band. I looked at him one time, and then he just started wearing the outfit. Interesting guy. I don't know his music, though. Is he good? It's not for me. Is it like an alt country? Yeah, like alt country.
4: He's Canadian.
3: Oh, he is? Yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, uh, I thought he did a great job hosting that episode. But he also talked, and I think Americana music is country music. I've said that, too. Like Americana music is country. But he talks about how that kind of came out of a certain space where it was kind of like alt country which is then turned into Americana and they talk about it it's a fantastic episode and I was like I agree with everything Like I co-signed and I've been signing for years and people have told me I'm a loser and it's just I'm like but guys the proof is in the pudding like every this happens every five years where something isn't country and you know who defines it? the listeners yeah Shania Twain not country I'm not saying that
4: no that's what they would say
3: completely yeah they talked about Winona for a while. She was getting not country. That's crazy. <laughs> it's wild. And people are idiots. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, Lauren Land is releasing our first book in the news. It's called Getting Good at Being You. Ba-ba-ba. It'll be available November second. Chris Stapleton's doing cameo and he'll say whatever you want him to say. Proceeds go into his outlaw state of kind charity. It'll cost you six hundred bucks. It's
4: a lot of money. Hmm. That's a lot. It's a lot of money.
3: I know he's doing it for charity. I don't know how you're going to get a whole lot of people to pay 600 bucks <laughs> though. Uh, Garth Brooks sets Nissan Stadium record. Uh, 75 minutes. Sold thing out. First ever Nissan Stadium in Nashville. Parker McCollum's releasing a debut album next month. His major label debut, though. Don't be confused. He's yeah, been doing yeah. it by himself, killing it by himself. But now he's doing And there's a great episode with him if you want to go back and check it out.
4: Would he be considered a Texas country artist first? If you asked
3: him, I think he would gladly say, sure. But he was never a guy that was just going to stay in Texas. Yeah. And he says that. He lives in Nashville now. He was like, yeah, I'm Texas. Moved to Austin. Randy Rogers basically discovered me toward that. He goes, but I'm not afraid to say I wanted to level up.
4: Yeah, which is different because a lot of the Texas guys, they're happy with where they're at. They like to be regional. They like to be where they're from. and
3: They like to be where they're from. But I, the ones that I know have always given a look if they were getting the opportunity <laughs> right i mean who doesn't, want, who doesn't want more money I, I know a couple of those guys down there that are like and outwardly they're like texas country nashville sucks and i know them and they're mm-hmm. like listen it just didn't work out for me in nashville yeah so for me to really keep my base passionate i go nashville sucks but you know we had a shot didn't work out that's kind of how yeah. it is um I, and not that all of them are but the couple that i know really well and then there's also like pat green took took his dad sure um did eli, all right here too yeah eli young band
4: yeah texas all, band did great here
3: Park. so you do have people coming from that mm-hmm. um but the again i think anybody would like to have their met whatever the, if you're a message sender you like to have your message sent out regardless if it's books music art yeah bigger audience yeah yeah uh because you can play more make more money um let's see nirvana smells like teen spirit just hit a billion streams on spotify wow still listening to that huh? um uh, I, you know what? One of my least favorite Nirvana songs,
4: Smells at, the, like teen spirit. at
3: the time, was good, but I, I have no need for it.
4: I don't think I've heard that song in a long time.
3: Yeah. I, my favorite Nirvana record is still Unplugged in New York. I know every song. I listen to it, it. Covers the Meat Puppets. It covers. I mean, I, <laughs> one of my favorites. I'll die, and that'll be one of my favorite records. So here we go. The most iconic songs of all time have been revealed according to science. Okay. So obviously they did some math and probabilities and figured out the most iconic songs. And I think science is a pretty definitive thing, right? At least we know why science is picking things. It's not just what the, the flavor of the month. Or a writer who gets a wild hair and decides they want to put some artist as number one just because they want some clicks. Okay. Would you agree with that? Yeah. A computer scientist in the University of London has sought to apply a formula to what determines the greatest songs of all time. He's come up with a definitive list of top 50. We're going to look at the top 10 and discuss whether or not we agree if they're iconic. According to Daily Mail, Dr. Mick Grierson examined a whole host of songs that appeared in greatest songs of all time lists, and newspapers, and music stations, and VH1, Rolling Stone. They took into factor beats per minute, chord variety, lyrical content, timbral variety, sonic variants, all these things I have no idea what it means.
4: <laughs> I was just
3: about to <laughs> and say that, that. But that's science, right? I don't, Half the scientific crap that happens every day, I have no idea why it's happening. I just know that my TV works. I just know that I can stream sh- shows and music. I have no idea how it works but they did all this and here are the top 10 most iconic songs of all time based on those weird science things Mm -hmm. and all the lists that are already putting them in places at number 10 Guns N' Roses Sweet Child of Mine here you go we're
4: gonna listen to the whole intro? no I don't think so I'd like to you
3: would? (laughs) it's like 3 minutes long I know I'm just joking do you feel like Sweet Child of Mine is an iconic, one of the top ten most iconic songs of all time?
4: Yes, especially if you want to break it down by decades, this is an iconic song of the 1980s. Well, top ten of all
3: time is tough for me, but I, I definitely can fill the argument for it. I do think it's an iconic rock song.
4: Icon- especially when you hear that guitar part with Slash. I mean, I just had this experience with my kids where I was teaching them about Guns N' Roses and, I mean, they heard this guitar solo, and they were like, okay, this is really good. I
3: was never a Guns N' Roses guy, by the way.
4: Really? mm It
3: was a little before me. You had an older brother. I did. That's where I got a lot of that 80s stuff yeah, from. Yeah, I, I didn't. At number nine, God Save the Queen by the Sex Pistols. God Save the Queen! That's not an iconic song to me. I've never heard it. I mean... I've
4: heard of the Sex Pistols.
3: Yeah, I think they... Iconic, it should almost be, if I play it, Everybody should know
4: it. Maybe that's one of those sonic things that the scientist was talking about. Whatever it is, crap.
3: Um, Number eight (laughs) Rolling Stones, it can't get no satisfaction.
6: For sure, right? 100%. Would you
3: say this is their biggest song? No. You wouldn't? No. Let me think what I think it would be. I mean, I guess if you're asking... like, I think I have to go with Rolling Stones. I think think this is it. Yeah,
4: I start always thinking, like, what would my parents know? And I think that they would know this more. I was going to say, like, Beast of Burden, but no. I think this is the one. You're right.
3: Yeah, I think this is...
4: What about Gloria? G-L-O-R-I-A. Gloria. I don't think it's as known. Okay.
3: I think you kind of have to be a Stones fan to know those two. Let me go to Mike. Mike, you know this song right here? I do know this song. How old are you? I am 29. Do you know Gloria? No. Do you know Beast of Burden? I do not. Oh, Just boy. this one. All right. Bob Dylan, like a Rolling Stones, at number seven. Listen, I'm gonna agree with most of these now. Iconic. Yeah, iconic. You like Bob Dylan?
4: I love Bob Dylan.
3: Number six on the list is the Beatles' Hey Jude. So the only Beatles song in the top ten. Now, to me. I feel Ooh. like Ooh. a bigger, more iconic song by the Beatles would be "Hold My Hand" because it's it so early; hold, it kind of yeah. set the whole stage. When I, tell when me some, me some, yeah, it's just I, I like wanna hold that's your early hand. Beatles. When yeah. you think of the Beatles, you think of them in suits and the same haircut.
4: Twist and shout.
3: Although they were bigger way after that when they were hippies, but we think of the Beatles all dressed the same. Can't buy me love. Uh, Queen at number five, Bohemian Rhapsody, most oh, iconic of all time. Absolutely. 100 percent Yeah. And their biggest song. And which which hit number one, I believe, twice over two different decades. Because when Wayne's World came back <laughs> out, it, it rehit it went number one again. From the Radio soundtrack. played it again. Radio started playing it again. Wow. Mm. Billy Jean from Michael Jackson at number four. Do you consider this a rock song?
4: Yes. Me too. Eddie Van Halen's on the guitar solo. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, I do consider it. I think because it's Michael Jackson, some people go, Oh, it's pop. He's king of pop. I think if you took who exactly it was, but you still presented it exactly the same way with the same person. I think that's this is a rock song. I mean, yeah.
4: I, I correct myself. I think that was "Beat It" with Michael with Eddie Van Halen. But still,
3: no, not. But still, because we're talking about this song specifically.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is a rock song. Yeah.
3: Oh, uh, you two won at number three.
6: Ooh.
3: Say, I do really love the song. This to me is not even U2's most iconic song I
4: agree with that I was about to say that I would say With or Without You yeah big big early one would probably be their big iconic song but a- having U2 on the iconic list absolutely
3: number two John Lennon Imagine Imagine all the people living for today song has been covered 10,000 times still a wonderful song I wonder when John Lennon wrote it and finished it and they recorded it, if he walked in and he was like, this is a masterpiece. Or if it's just another song that was recorded that happened to catch.
4: So I just watched a documentary on this, and, and I think he was in a state of them trying to come up with a song that could help whatever society was going through at that time. And I think like India was going through some problems or whatever. So he did
3: write it for some Yes. Epic reason. Uh,
4: he had uh, a, a an activist from India, I believe, in his house. Dude, this is a great documentary. I think it's on Apple TV. Uh, I think it's nineteen seventy, whatever year this was. And the whole documentary is about that year and music in that year. Uh, and he's talking with this activist from India, and they're sitting at his kitchen table. And they're he, and the the activist is telling him about like all these things that's happening. He goes, it's "Very interesting. Well, I wrote this song." And I feel like this kind of has exactly what you're talking about. And he takes in the piano room and he plays it to him and the guy's like, this is fantastic. And that's the
3: song? And it's imagined. Imagine. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Uh, number one. What do you number one most before I tell you, what do you can what do you think, if you're just guessing, give me a few number one most iconic rock songs of all time that kind of pop into your head.
4: I don't know why, but I wrote down Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. I feel Ooh, like that's I don't feel like that's rock. Oh no? Disco wasn't rock?
3: I don't think so. But it's hard to listen, it's hard to argue what isn't and what isn't rock, yeah. right? But I <laughs> <laughs>
4: but Mike D's got it ready. I feel like this is just so iconic, but it's not rock. Okay, so we'll have to go with the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley.
3: Great. He did not make the top ten, but I would have thought Elvis. What do you think Elvis's most iconic song is?
4: Hound Dog, Heartbreak Hotel? Mm, gosh, there's so many. I, I, I would go with um, it's prop. got
3: it's got to be Heartbreak Hotel, right? I was
4: I was leaning towards Fat Elvis, Suspicious Minds. Nah. But you 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 go young young Elvis
3: because I can think of the video in my head. The music dun, dun. video. Heartbreak? No, I'm thinking of Rock. You're thinking of Jailhouse, jailhouse Rock, Rock where they're all in the jail. Yeah. So I'm stupid.
4: There we go. <laughs> oh, yeah. this is
3: I mean, that
4: opening lick with the drums though. You know, you know, this is a whole movie Jailhouse Rock. It's a whole Elvis movie. Apparently, Elvis signed a terrible movie deal when he was really young, and he had like committed to like 20 Hollywood pictures. And so this is one of them. And he My had name. to do he had to do all the soundtracks for him. Really? Yeah, it was a terrible (laughs) deal, and he could not get out of it.
3: Yeah, I've seen a lot of them.
4: (laughs) Dude, there are so many. many.
3: many. Are Are any of them ever good? Are they ever good? No, they're not good. Never?
4: (laughs) There's one. I forget the name of it, but he's a pilot, and he comes back, and they're stuck on this joke that the writers wrote about him being a pilot, and he always showed girls uh, to his cockpit. And so in the whole movie... The line's like, hey, Josh. I think his character's name is like, how you been? He's like, pretty good. Are you still flying? I got fired. What happened? I invited a girl into my cockpit. And they say this one-liner like 20 times in the movie. And you know it's like, they're like, this is going to hit real good. But it's so dumb. Yeah, I invited a girl into my cockpit and they fired me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I would think maybe... I know the number one but I would have probably guess Led Zeppelin like Stairway to Heaven oh of course it's not
4: it oh it's not Mm-mm.
3: but I think that would have been a big one Zeppelin the Beatles I would have picked their biggest song and
4: the Rolling Stones you already not said not the it. Rolling Stones right? okay Pearl Jam
3: no they didn't I don't think they
4: made it Nirvana okay
3: the number one song is Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit wow <laughs> Massive song, you know, and Kurt Cobain, him dying, has romanticized that band so much. I feel bad for Dave Grohl. I want to hear him do interviews because he always has to talk about Nirvana and Kurt. And, have uh, yeah, Kurt have Cobain. you
4: seen the drama with Courtney Love lately? She's coming out just kind of just saying she's tired of people saying that she's the reason why he killed himself.
3: Well, do you know why she's saying that? Because they released some old, like, FBI, CIA, well, FBI, probably. Oh. Where, th- where some of the guys were questioning if she had anything to do with it. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm. So she's defending herself. She's, yeah. And so, but Dave Grohl always has to talk. If Dave Grohl is just Foo Fighters, he's one of the biggest rock stars that America's ever had. Yeah. The end. Yeah. But because he was in Nirvana and was a drummer, and was a drummer with Kurt Cobain, who people now romanticize. As the greatest poet of the 90s, he always has to talk about that. Yeah. And he's got to be like, that's tough. dang, man. But he does, and he does a wonderful job, even though they didn't get along for a part of it. But that's that's just a band. That's just a group dynamic at any part. Um, but Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit. I was talking to somebody recently who is it? was a music critic. Maybe I was doing an interview somewhere. I don't who, who knows? Have it been you. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it was you. I don't I think, don't think it was you. I wasn't and he was a music talking critic. to. Him, he was like, "Hey, he's a, Kurt Cobain wasn't going to stay in that band." He was like, "At this point, you know, t- ten years later, Kurt Cobain's doing crappy solo stuff." Oh wow. They probably would have got back with them, but it's not like Nirvana was going to be some because
4: they put out In Utero. Sure.
3: You know, they. It wasn't like that. He died right after that record. Right. That next record didn't
4: do. Well they up. have four four albums?
3: Well, they, let's see. I listened to Bleach. That was before. Never mind. In utero. Um, but I don't know if there was another Never one was after it? that that wasn't a live one. Okay. Could have been. Mike, do you see over there? Three studio albums. Three studio yeah, albums. Yeah. So there's only... Uh, hey, I was
4: right about something on this one. Hey. <laughs> look at me. <laughs> but so, see, I don't know. The list is cool, but I feel like you don't need science to tell you that these songs are all iconic.
3: Well, science screwed up on whatever that Sex pistol song was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> science, come on. I'll be honest with you about that. All right, there you go. Those are the most iconic songs according to science. Uh, most of them according to people. But, but... They did factor in people's lists as well.
4: Yeah. So it was kind
3: of people's lists and some dumb, you know, probabilities and theory. I would have put Pearl
4: Jam in there, but okay.
3: And how did Counting Crows not make it? Let's be honest. (laughs) Come on. Isn't that the one band that's really losing out here, Counting Crows?
0: This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History class.
2: the spring back into your step and into your home too shop blinds.com right now and save 40 percent site-wide get 40 percent off for a limited time at blinds.com blinds.com rules and restrictions may apply at
7: uc san diego we understand that in order to turn the vast unknown into new cures or human connections or expansive culture you have to be willing to venture further out That's why we'll go as far as the International Space Station, with cancer cells in hand and novel medicines in mind. That's why we map the seemingly randomness of forest fires and connect them with revolutionary AI to see where they'll appear next. And it's why we arrive on the San Diego shore from all over the world to bring different perspectives to our world's biggest challenges. When you push the boundaries of science, art, and culture, whole worlds open up. And at UC San Diego, that's where the real adventure starts. Learn more at ucsd.edu.
3: All right, here with Ashley Cook. Good to meet you in person.
7: Yeah, I got you.
3: I think we've only talked on the phone, right?
8: Yeah, I think so. That one interview for... the one time, that's That's right. That one interview.
3: So, I think what I had talked to you about a lot and we'll get it out of the way now Mm -hmm. is 615 House and TikTok. Because I just see you as more than that person. Thank you. Than the the TikTok. Now, a great way to be the person people know, but I think after a bit, you got to go and you have to go, man, I wish people would only stop associating me with TikTok.
8: You know, honestly... No, because it gave me such a huge platform in the beginning that I love it, and I still use it to this day. I still post almost every day. Well, so. I use
3: it, and you should, right? You should. Yeah. But I think as an artist, people start to get pigeonholed. Like content creators get, oh, he's only a YouTube person, I or he's only. But I, you know, for you, the first time we talked to you, I was like, dang, she's actually really good. You know, thank you. Better than just making TikTok videos, and so was really excited to play your stuff on. You know, two different shows that that I program, which is the Women of I Heart Country, and I think Mike, we just featured last week on the Big Countdown, didn't we? Yeah, we did. I mean, yeah.
8: guys, seriously, thank you so much. No, I'm still don't. independent, so y'all doing that genuinely changes everything for independent artists. So thank you guys so much. Well, but honestly, I think the music should translate past whatever platform you're started on, right? So to not get pigeonholed as a TikTok artist, just make music that translates past that. I guess that's my my way of thinking. It and, and TikTok is just another way to reach more ears and more eyeballs. So why not use it? You know.
3: And use everything you possibly can. Exactly. Right? Whenever you started 615 House, now you guys didn't live there, right? We didn't, no. Most people, I think I thought that at first. Was everybody? I think that everybody it, did. <laughs> <and> did, <laughs> did you rush? Because I wouldn't even want people to think you didn't live there. I'd have just played along with it for a while.
8: We kind of, I don't want to say like we played along, but I think the whole idea of a content creation house was started with the Hype House, right? And the Hype House people were all influencers and actors and dancers. So all they did all day long was create on TikTok and YouTube and all these platforms. So they lived together because it just made the most sense. With 615 House, it was started in the middle of a pandemic. So we saw each other whenever we could, but we couldn't live together. It didn't really make any sense to live together. And we still get together and create and, and do all that together, but we never lived together in the house.
3: Are you guys still making stuff as 615 House?
8: We are, but I think just naturally as the world opened up, because 615 House was started in a pandemic, it's just now... Artists are going and touring and signing record deals and, and crushing it outside of what the pandemic was. That naturally, we can't make as much content. Um, and also, again, we are artists. We're all writers and artists, and we tour and we play music. So, unlike the hype house and most content creation houses, we can't just spend all day every day creating for social media. Um, so we still create sometimes together, but it's just not as much as we could.
3: Did you sign up? to I'm sure you did to make money in the little. Uh, program where they give you a couple bucks for every ten thousand streams you get or whatever which thing
8: like the creator fund? yeah
3: yeah yeah did you do that i, I don't know well, i think i you, did I, <laughs> I don't remember i did and i have my tiktok following isn't extremely huge you have like half a million followers or something like that i don't post that's pretty big it. i don't po- i don't post on tiktok a whole lot. i did for like a week yeah, and now that's awesome. i'm on tiktok more than everything else but i don't post a whole lot yeah uh, but and i would have videos up getting two three four million i get like eighty. I was like, this sucks.
8: <laughs> so I've learned my hack to this. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. On live streams, I've started to turn people over to Venmo. So I'll be on a live stream and I'll be like, hey, if you guys want to hear a song that you want to hear, a shout out, whatever it is, just my Venmo is at Ashley Cook. Venmo me however much you want, however much you can, and I'll play your song. And that's how I've started to kind of make a virtual tip jar online the creator fund is awesome for some people but for me that's not really how I'm going to pay the bills so it's like might as well
3: do you make okay money when you go here's my venmo you guys
8: i mean yeah it's hit or miss just like every live show would be
3: can you do but- a couple hundred bucks yeah yeah Wh- what's the most awesome. you've ever done on a live stream
8: okay so my friend roman alexander i don't know if you know him he's a great artist in town he always will get on my live streams and like Bet people, hey, you want Venmo her five hundred dollars? You want Venmo her this much? (laughs) Five hundred, yes. And I'll literally make like a couple hundred bucks for like twenty minutes on a live because my friends like jokingly help out and stuff too. Um, But I make, I mean, I make a decent amount. It's you just gotta really work for it. You have to know how to be savvy with it. I guess is the way to say it.
3: My fiance's parents were in town, and we went to Tootsie's last night, and they'd never been. I don't really want to go to Tootsie's. Been there the first five years I lived in town a lot. Um, But we went and they had not seen how the Tootsies vibe works where there's two bands, one on each side, you know, and you you tip them, they play a song, but now you can go up and actually scan the code. The
2: barcode. Yeah, and
3: and tip them on Venmo.
8: I mean, yeah, I think the pandemic just taught a lot of people a lot of stuff about the virtual world that we can live in, but it's not about the money at the end of the day. You know, it really is. I know that's like the the political answer, but genuinely it's not. It's about getting people to relate to your music and, and get it out there because somebody out there has not heard Justin Bieber's music, you know? So everybody's always working to get people
3: to hear their music. So what is your story? You can, you come from where?
8: Kind of all over the place. But before Nashville, I was in South Florida.
3: What do you mean all over the place and why?
8: So my dad's job, he was in corporate, and I was in music since I was 11 years old. My sister and I used to be in a duo together. I just kind of traveled around the country growing up. I think I lived in 19 different homes before I was 18. So I've just moved 19
3: homes. Is yeah. it because you were playing music or because he was you know, moving around kind of both with his job?
8: Kind of both. It was always a little bit of both. Corporate took him all over the, the country, so.
3: And you and your sister were what kind of duo?
8: Country duo, yeah. What was the name? It was called The Lockets.
3: And did you guys <laughs> ever come to Nashville before you came to Nashville?
8: All the time. So I pretty much grew up on Music Row. I was writing with, like, Jeremy Bussey and Bridget Tatum and, like, incredible number one writers when I was, like, 15 years old. So I came here for the first time a little over 10 years ago.
3: So it's been and how did you get in a room with them if you're just a teenager from out of town?
8: Just the music, I guess it translated. I was in L. A. and I worked with like some people out in L. A. and then they brought us over here, and it was just you know how it goes. It's just kind of I don't of know
3: things. how it goes. I don't. <laughs> I'm not cool enough to know how anything goes. Um, Honestly,
8: I don't even know. To be honest, I think I was a kid just kind of being put in rooms, which is the beauty and the, uh, the naivete of being a kid. Um, but from what I can remember. The music we made just kind of translated and got us in the rooms with the right people and that's just how that happened then i went to college at belmont
3: oh so you moved here for school yes and then stayed here yes so you moved here for school knowing you were going to stay here
8: i don't really know i moved here for belmont um just because again i had grown up in nashville and I, I knew of the school i loved the campus i thought it was incredible and i just loved nashville it felt like a home away from home Went to Belmont for music business, ended up transferring into communications and marketing. So I studied nothing to do with music,
3: which you shouldn't, right? I mean, honestly, I don't know. Listen, I studied it's a great degree. I studied a lot of things, including what I do now—radio, television. But I didn't need to. I did, the best thing about the best thing you can do in a creative space is just freaking get into it.
8: Okay, true, but to each their own. And then ha-
3: and then have them to fall back on when it doesn't work.
8: True, and that was kind of my mentality, and also because I had grown up in music my whole life not, I mean, the Belmont music program is genuinely incredible. It really is. But I just had been in so many rooms and learned so much that going in an intro to publishing class my freshman year, I was like, wait, this is outdated info. This is different. I've been in this room. I know what's going on. So it just was, it's, it's hard for them to keep up with exactly what's going on. Um, but I loved communications and marketing. It was the best because also I use it every day in my career, right? Like communications on stage, Right now, marketing with TikTok, it all comes to play. So, And then I just stayed in Nashville after that.
3: So when you stay, is it, I'm going to be a songwriter? Is I'm going to be an artist? Am I going to do one before the other? Like, what was kind of your mindset at 22 years old?
8: I mean, does anybody know what they're doing at 22 years old? Um, I think I was even 21. I was well, a young What was the senior. dream,
3: though? When you finished college, what was the dream?
8: Well, okay, so I studied communications and marketing again. My senior year, I was already interviewing for communications jobs. I kind of was like, hey, music was my childhood thing. I still have a huge passion for it, but... Let's just think about something different. Let's just like entertain the idea of going down a different route. So I almost got hired to a company in Nashville for communications and marketing, and then at the same time, like the same month, I applied for the Country Showcase. Do you know what that is? Mm-mm. Okay, so at Belmont, there's a massive. Oh, I massive, do know what that is. Yeah. You know what that is? Yeah, I think like
3: like Cassie Ashton. She won it. She won um, it. Brad year. Paisley,
8: Florida Georgia Line. I mean, so many amazing artists have won this competition. So I applied kind of on a whim. Being like, ah, whatever, you know, my senior year, bucket list, let's just do it. It's always been a really cool thing to go to and watch. I got in and I ended up winning the competition. You won the whole thing too? I won the whole thing. Wow. Yeah, I was one of the only non-music majors to win that competition.
3: Do you have to do an original song?
8: You, uh, It's two originals, one cover.
3: So what What cover did you do?
8: The Middle by Marin Morris.
3: <laughs> really? It was
8: the best. It was so much fun.
3: Did you play it yourself? What do you mean? Or do you have a...
8: Band. You have a full band. It's huge. It's like oh, 3,000 people in an arena. It's wow. massive. Yeah. Wow. But so I, I won that and then I graduated and I was like, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to try music. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a go as a solo artist for the first time in my life. I'm just going to do it. COVID hit like right when that happened. And so I went down to quarantine with my family in Florida and my friend sent me a video of Spencer Crandall, one of my other friends who's on TikTok. And it was some challenge that he did. I did the challenge and it got like 2 million views overnight and it just kind of started from there. So it was not my plan to do, I mean nearly any of this, let alone what's happening now this past year. I mean, it's just been crazy.
3: So, two things. One, who is Spencer Crandall? Is he a country artist? Big TikToker, too, yeah. Okay. Amazing artist, too. And then two, what was the challenge?
8: It was called the Lay Me Down Challenge. It was like, uh, you know the the Sam Smith song? Mm-hmm. Lay me down tonight, that song? Mm-hmm. So, it's the bridge of that song, and you, like, basically just go a whole octave up and sing. So, it's a singing challenge. And I was like, nah, I don't know. Like, TikTok, you know, I've, I've loved this app for a long time, but I don't know if I meant to be a creator on it. Like who does know that? You know, it's it's the market that gets to decide who's gonna be a creator on the app. So I posted the video, no makeup, braids in my hair, fresh out the pool, like had zero expectations and it just completely blew up and I just caught the bug. So
3: And so then you were in. Then I was in. And then how do you become just in to all right guys, we're gonna organize something here and we're gonna get we're gonna put something together so we can actually market ourselves, which is a really smart thing to do.
8: Thank you. Um honestly, looking back it's so wild because it had to have been a, a God thing, honestly, because I had watched the Hype House for so long and i had had friends like, you know, Cooper Allen and Thomas Mack and people that were really big on TikTok and had this giant following. They were building through country music and just following trends. My friend Chris Rudiger and I just kind of, I called him one day and I was like, hey, why is nobody doing this? At the time, there was only, you know, six or seven country people really on TikTok. Since then, of course, it's really kind of blown up and and come into the country space, but there was nobody collaborating on the app really at all. Um, And so we just kind of, found people, texted, DM'd, and, and got the people that were really crushing it through country on the app to come together, and it was born. The 615 House happened, so
3: that Thomas Mack is the first country person I ever saw on TikTok.
8: Which video did you see? Do you remember? No, but
3: he was funny. <laughs> he's hysterical. I just remember him being funny and being one of the only, if not first country guys I would see just sitting there with an acoustic guitar playing funny songs.
8: Yeah, he's hysterical.
3: And he's still on.
8: Mm-hmm. Everybody's still yeah. on the app. I think just because the world opened up. It's like, you know... It's an amazing thing because a lot of us are also still independent. Most of us are still independent. So it's crazy to see how much has happened from the app and now translating into the real world. I mean, these just kids that were creating videos on this app, and now we get to live our dreams. So it's really cool.
3: Has anyone recognized you from TikTok just walking down the street?
8: You would be mind blown. It it blows my mind. I'll go down to like Broadway, hang out, because, you know, I'm single and 24. So I'm like, whatever, I'm going to go hang out on Broadway. I get stopped all the time for photos and and, oh my gosh, are you the girl from TikTok? Are you Ashley Cook? I heard your song on the highway. or heard your song on Bobby Bones show. Like they'll just say this stuff all the time. I'm like this is so crazy. So yeah, it happens a lot.
3: That's pretty cool because I saw someone from TikTok somewhere, and I was in California. We were doing American Idol or something, and I, I and was I, I kind of no, but I kind of geeked out a little bit, <laughs> and then I, I caught myself and I was like, why am I geeking out at somebody? I <laughs> watched, watched two videos. On. but you're right. It doesn't matter how you're you, you get consumed. Yeah. Like once you find somebody you like and you're taking them through radio, Netflix, TikTok, it doesn't matter, then you kind of become a fan.
8: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what's so cool. I was at my gym, like, two days ago, and this guy walks up and is like, okay, I hate to geek out and be a fangirl, but, like, I just love your music. I was like, what? He's like, I love Under. It's so good. I was like, what? So, it it is, I mean, you're right. It's it's working, and people are consuming it, and they're, I hope, falling in love with my music as much as they are my personality or whatever brings them to my page. So, it's awesome.
3: So, you're going out on your first tour, like, your first... Going through all the different... With Breland, right? Hell yeah. So, yep. so what's that about?
8: I'm pumped. It's nine days in September. It's my first ever tour. I don't even know any of the details. We're having a meeting after this to figure out the details because I'm like, just take me on a bus somewhere and I'll show up and play. Um, but I'm, I'm freaking pumped. It's going to be so fun.
3: The, the, the rare thing is that I, that I see from these dates is that they're all kind of strung together. Like when I go out, I'll do Thursday, Friday, Saturday or Friday, Saturday and then come home. And that's pretty typical of a country music tour. However, this is, I mean, atypical, mm-hmm. where you're out, like you said, basically, you know, the 10th or the 23rd, but nine, you're playing nine shows in, you know, Act 12, back. 13 days. Yeah. So, you're just going to live in a bus.
8: I don't really know what the travel plan is yet. I'm not quite sure. Or a van. Or Something you fly like that. Out, you fly in, I mean, first tour, you know, I'm probably just going to get chucked in a van somewhere and should. show up. You
3: should. You honestly should. You should. I think artists should have to come up and go, van first, learn the struggle, absolutely crappy bus
8: mm-hmm. see it's interesting though because not that i don't think i should do that still because i definitely should but i was touring when i was a kid to fairs and festivals and stuff like that so i, I have kind nah, of it doesn't count you're right it doesn't count Doesn't it's count. count. It count. Doesn't it's not count. the same <laughs> no <laughs> the same. you gotta
3: go do the struggle and hopefully you make enough and your opening fee to pay for your whole trip oh i'm for ha- sure gonna lose you have money to all, yeah no you way. have to be like oh how am i gonna afford this and wear the same clothes three nights in a row and yep but then say no this is my artistic style i just but you have to go through that struggle. For because sure. Because then you appreciate it so much more when you don't have to anymore. And you look out for the people that are doing it. Like yeah. I, I have some friends-ish who kind of got to skip that step because they blew up a little too quick. So they don't quite empathize and understand what they can see and they can sympathize a little bit, but they don't understand. And I, always, I feel like they're, they're lacking that empathy to, to go, hey, like I got you. Here's why I got you because I've been through it too. Yeah, Maybe. But if they gave you a jet, take the jet, okay? I'm not yeah. saying I'm gonna, No, put me in a bus. <laughs> uh, who would you say that you listened to a lot as a kid? Because we're all influenced by something. Um, yeah. Who would you say you listened to as a kid where you're like, all right, this is not who I am, but That's their sounds way. definitely kind of took me somewhere.
8: For sure. Um. Honestly, so I moved to Florida when I was 15, and... I remember there was this one amphitheater that we all would go to and I would obsess over the artists that went there. It was the Cruz Ann Amphitheater. I don't know what it's called now, but it's the West Palm Amphitheater. And I remember being there for the Luke Bryan, the Jason Aldean tour, Florida Georgia line. I mean, Dan and Shay, like I just loved them, especially throughout high school. They kind of shaped my love for Lyric and Rascal Flats obsessed with them. I've now become friends with Jada Marcus, which is so cool. Um, but I mean, honestly, I just loved the way that you show up to a show and Everybody just feels the same emotion, and it seemed like all of those artists knew how to, like, grab that from them in the crowd. I love that. Also, growing up, my parents played Motown all the time, so I was a big Motown fan, um, but that's basically, like, big list of who I loved growing up. You gotta up.
3: have a Colby vibe to you a little bit. Colby lot.
8: I think it's the blonde, California, maybe, you know, Maybe. Ma-
3: maybe that's it, too. Maybe. And she lives, like, five minutes away, so I can just call her up. I recommend her.
8: I mean, I haven't met her yet, and I would love to. <laughs> She's really She's nice. amazing. I loved her growing up too. Like "Bubbly" was one of my favorite songs.
3: You guys moved from California, uh, from Florida to Nashville. Did did you you came by yourself? though, right, your sister?
8: Yeah. So my sister's a year older than me, um, and she went to a different school, and then transferred into Belmont. But she she went to Belmont with me as well. Is she here? She uh, kind of. She's like all over the place. Is I don't she know.
3: It, you, the Lockets are no more?
8: No more. Um,
3: Reunion show?
8: <laughs> I mean, maybe. Honestly, I think that. She just, so part of the reason why I even got into entertainment was because she moved my family out to LA because she wanted to get into acting. And so I just kind of was surrounded by the young Disney crowd and just all these people in LA. And I was like a sporty tomboy, had no reasoning to be in music, but just fell in love with the entertainment business because I was around it so much and all my friends were in it. So now she, after she graduated from college, she was in a finance job for a little while, but then she realized that she really wants to do acting again. So she went from music to acting, and she's now pursuing that, so she's crushing it.
3: The young Disney crowd, talked, What? what is that?
8: What do you mean? Like, who?
3: Well, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you kind of just threw that out there, the young Disney crowd. Are you hanging out with Disney stars in L.A.?
8: Um, I mean, that's honestly kind of a weird part of my story, too, because I was, like, really, really good friends with all of the young Disney crowd when I was younger. But I don't know who that
3: is. Mickey? Like, the
8: Cyrus family, like, you know, the Lovato family, the Hudgens family, like, all of them. They were, like, my my friends and my schoolmates and my neighbors, and I just don't really think of it as then like the Disney crowd because they were just my friends. We would make YouTube videos together and, and go to soccer and ice skating together. And that was my friend group, which is maybe why I, I love this industry because I feel like there's nothing too glitz or glam. It's always just like the real music and the the meaning behind it all because I grew up around the craziness and saw what it did to them. You know what I mean?
3: Was your sister a Disney actor?
8: No, she wasn't.
3: They were just friends for, because of the area.
8: We were all friends because of the area. But you
3: weren't in Disney Okay, when you said Young Disney, I thought you were in Disney stuff. <laughs> that you like threw me threw, threw me for a loop there. So you weren't acting, you weren't doing Disney stuff. You just um, happened to be living.
8: Are I did you, some commercials. Are you and not stuff? telling me something? I don't know. It's so weird. <laughs> I feel like again, I was a kid. I was just like dragged around areas. I did Wii commercials a lot growing up. Excuse me. Wii like oh, W I yeah. I like the the nunchucks did? and stuff. Yeah. And what would you
3: do in these commercials?
8: Um, I don't even remember. I would like play with the nunchucks. I would. There was like a monkey in one of them. I did some print modeling. I've just always been in entertainment since I was a kid, so. And we, like, knew a lot of, like, the Disney casting directors and would audition and stuff, but, um, yeah. I
3: mean. When did you know you could sing and people would actually care that you could sing?
8: Do they care now? Is they that do. a little bit. I'm kidding. Um, oh, gosh. I got into a music, like, performance class when I was 10 years old. Um, wrote my first song when I was 11, and I remember... This guy, Jonathan George, who was a really good friend of ours, and he, like, coached us when we were younger, Um, he put us on a stage at this place called The Mint in L.A. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I don't even know if it's still a place anymore. Um, But we played, and I I performed my first show when I was 11, and people, like, knew the words to the music that I was putting out. And it was, like, insane. The music wasn't that great. I mean, I was 11, you know. (laughs) You'd start somewhere. But, yeah, I mean, I think that was when I really fell in love with performing. And to this day, performing is still my favorite part of this. I mean, there's so much to love about music, but... Genuinely getting on a stage and just seeing people, people's reactions to what you're saying—that's like by far the best part of it all.
3: And how's it been? You, st- you say you're independent still. Um, how has it been? You know, trying to find a team like your team. Your, your—I wouldn't say forever because everything yeah. changes and it's fluid. But your first like established team, record management. Yeah. Like, what, what's that process like for you right now?
8: Honestly, it's a lot of fun. Um, because I, you know, I'm so excited to eventually be able to partner with the right team. I really am. Um, But honestly, because of people like you and the highway and DSPs like Spotify and iTunes and, and Apple and Pandora and all these places, like I've had a really, really great year. And I feel like I've just been knocking down my goals one by one independently. And of course, having the right partner is a big goal of mine, but I'm in no rush, which is the really fun part.
3: So It's actually the best place to be because the more you go into a situation with knowing who you are and some data behind you, the less they can tell you who to be.
8: Exactly, and I get to go on a tour independently. I feel like there's, there's so much that has happened this past year, and it's it's truly mind blowing. I mean, yesterday I made a video on my Instagram talking about that because I was like, this week is crazy. You know, like y'all put me as your spotlight artist, which is so so cool. Thank you, by the way. And it's just been it's just been crazy. I feel like so much has happened, and um, I like to think it's just because the music is translating, and that's the bottom line.
3: Mike, what clips do we have over there? We have all of them. Okay, let's walk. <laughs> How about do we have the new single that comes out June twenty fifth? Okay. Mm-hmm. This is already drank that beer. Here you go. Excited about that one to come out?
8: I'm so pumped for that to come out. I cannot wait.
3: How long ago did you record that?
8: Um, I want to say like a month and a half ago with Jimmy Robbins, who's nice. phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, he's amazing.
3: Here is Under, which was featured on the Country Top 30 and the women of Iron Country.
5: Got drunk Under the neon under
3: let's play Sunday morning kind of Saturday night that I remember this one was released it did pretty well yeah. uh, the download chart for a little bit yeah it was awesome here you go
5: I need a Sunday morning kind of Saturday night let the FM hands blow the bench seat speakers let them fire flies and starlight be my feet to shine a little deeper than the neon light I need a Sunday morning kind of Saturday night
3: and then this is the first time that i knew you we played this on the women of Our country it's been a while now but jealous of the sky i think that's when we talked that was also the
8: first song i ever had play on a radio
3: station is that right yeah were you able to hear it when it played did you find the the, yeah i was i was
8: down in south florida um in my friend's car and we played that song which is actually so backstory on that song my friend passed away and he was from south florida and that's why i wrote this song so i was in south florida when i heard my song on the radio for the first time thanks to you guys so it was crazy
3: here is jealous of the sky
5: you get to be blue and gray you don't mind the season change you can shine all the time like it's just another day let the rain out when you feel like you want to cry now you get to say hello while i gotta say goodbye I'm jealous of the sky.
3: That's a really good one. Thank you so much. I still feel the same like kind of like goosebumps with that song that I did the first time. Thank you. And before I hit it, I kind of forgot about it until I hit it and I was like, "Oh yeah." Cuz you, you listen, I hear 10,000 songs a day, but you always remember how certain songs make you feel. Mm-hmm. Sometimes more than you remember the words of the song.
8: Absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the whole beauty of music, you know. I mean, and that's the fun part about TikTok is, you know, my manager and I always crack up because I'm like, "Oh, this song's the one. This song's going to hit. It's going to go viral." And then like it doesn't flop, but it doesn't do as well as I hope it would because people don't connect the same way that I wanted them to or whatever. So it's it's fun to see because I could connect so deeply to something, but somebody else doesn't, and that's just the beauty of music,
3: you know? Well, and just art. I mean, I put up some stuff. I, I feel like it's going to be amazing. It's going to – maybe people are going to laugh at this. It's going to be great. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> and then I'll put up – my dog will, like, lick the wrong hole on my nose.
0: Oh, 10 million views. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Welcome like, to social of, media. What is happening? i what is
3: happening? Well, listen, I'm glad we finally got to meet. Me as well. Uh, I saw you drive in with your big Jeep. Yep. Jacked, it, jacked up a little bit?
8: It's jacked up. It's 3.75 inches.
3: No idea what that means, but I'm assuming that's something. I'd, all I know is it looked a little higher and had big wheels on it. Yes, sir. I got to assume the gas is not cheap for that thing.
8: It's not cheap. When the gas crisis happened, I was like, I'm in trouble.
3: <laughs> you, so how long you had a Jeep?
8: Um, Since I was 16.
3: Oh, you were so always Jeep. a Jeep. Oh, the same one. The same
8: Jeep. Yeah, I've just, you know, gotten it all jacked up and... Done a bunch of stuff to I'm still like, to this day, I'm like saving my money because I'm like, I'm going to go do more to my Jeep. <laughs> I'm obsessed so with it.
3: So the goal is to do more to that Jeep, not to get a different Jeep.
8: Absolutely. Okay. Got to make them last, you know?
3: I had, a I, I had a Jeep for a while, and I felt like if I couldn't drive it with the top off, I didn't want to drive it, so I kept the top off. But then I got caught in a storm once, and, I got, and it was a bad storm. And I'm driving, my glasses are getting soaked, and I'm like, oh, this is it. Time to go trade in the Jeep and yeah. got rid of the Jeep. <laughs>
8: That's so funny. That's why I had the hard top because being from Florida, living in Florida— I mean, every hour you could have a thunderstorm and then just complete beautiful, you know, 90 degree day. So I have the hard top, so I don't have to worry about that. Well,
3: I had a hard top too. And Jake Owen bought me a, uh, like some sort of contraption that takes the top off and you sit it on it. It, it just hangs from it. And then you drive under and it puts it on it. But I was like, I don't screw this. I never <laughs> even put it up. I was like, I want to have my top off. I want to drive the Jeep like I'm <laughs> supposed to. But then again, first time I got wet, I was like, "Oh, I can't do this. I don't, do say, I don't want to do this anymore." It's so
8: worth it, though. I want to get a Bronco eventually. I love Broncos, and not like the new. One. The new ones are dope, but like the old, like yeah, like, white. Seven, like
3: like sixty-eight through seventy-four. Yes, are the really cool ones.
8: You don't know what a three point seven five is, but you know the year of the Bronco that you'd want.
3: You know, I have very, <laughs> I have varied. <laughs> Come interests. on, Bobby, let's go. <laughs> All right, you guys. Let me let me uh, promote a couple things here. Uh, on TikTok, <laughs> she is the Ashley Cook, which is Cook with an E. But Instagram, same, huh? Same yeah, name. It's all okay. the same. The Ashley Cook. that Was Ashley Cook already taken?
8: It was. And I've DM'd the girl that has Ashley Cook so many times, and she doesn't respond. I'm oh. like, come on.
3: Same. <laughs> really? I have to have Mr. Bobby Bones, because some goob will not give me Bobby <laughs> Bones. And he, he wasn't even using it. I tried to get Twitter. Guy didn't use it. Who has it on uh, Instagram now? Have we even looked at that in a while? I lot? don't know. I think it's a random... Let's see. I'm curious about this, because... On, on Twitter, you're saying? No, on, on Instagram. If I search Bobby Bones, do you even see who it is, Mike? Yeah, a blank page with 154 followers. What? I, four it's posts. blank? See, well, mine's at posts. least
8: like a mother of three kids that posts all the time, so like it's hard for her to give up her account. But like, come on.
3: Hasn't posted since 2012. But the problem <laughs> oh, is with that is I am Mr. Bobby Bones, so if I change it now... And I don't have all of it. Because I'm Mr. By Bones and everything.
8: Yeah, so it's just, you know, cohesiveness. Keep it. But I should have that,
3: right? Yeah.
8: It's a fun story, too. Is it, know?
3: though? Yeah, I it's a great find story. I don't a lot of fun that I could never get the freaking page. <laughs> oh my God. It doesn't sound that fun to me. I've heard fun <laughs> stories. That's not one. Uh, Ashley Cook, follower Ashley Cook on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, the new single, Already Drank That Beer, is June 25th. She's going to be out with Breland. Um... Just go to the or just ashleycook.com. See if you go to yeah. the ashleycook.com, I would have already. So ashleycook.com for all the dates. And hey, good luck. As I feel like this is the the early stage of uh, a long career and um, a really cool life for you.
8: That means a lot coming from you, so, seriously. So thank you.
3: Hang out, work hard, surround yourself with good people, and good things will happen to you. Yes, sir. Thank and, you so much. And. I... You know, I saw that Jeep come in and for a second I thought I should get another Jeep. And then I had a flashback telling that you story. should do it. Where I do not want another Jeep. No,
8: but for real, thank you guys so much for spotlighting me and just playing my music in general. It really means the world. I hope you guys know that.
3: If you sucked, we wouldn't do it. And that's the truth. <laughs> well, thank you. We know a lot of good people that suck and we don't do it. So if you sucked, we wouldn't do it. So just know it that's all you. All right, Ashley thank Cook, everybody. Thank y'all. All right. I'm gonna do this. I want to share with you guys a segment from our new podcast here on the Nashville Podcast Network. If you love music, that's so we're putting it here. It's called the Biz Tape. It's a music business podcast. You're going to love it. You can learn a lot. It's fun. And also, you'll be smarter after you listen to it. And this is them talking about touring and if the music business is bouncing back, etc. Here's a clip from the biz tape.
9: Our second point, as Colin has beautifully uh, transitioned us into, planning for pandemics. So many leading scientists and experts have stated that COVID is not a surprising occurrence as ecosystems shift with climate change, allowing for there to be a more innate risk of future viruses to disrupt the world and its economies.
10: Do you have any more fun facts for those?
9: Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> it's so it really light stuff, right? Right. So we've seen how this past year and a half has completely demolished the music industry. And as people in the music industry scramble to get back into the swing, it makes you wonder, could we have handled this better? <laughs> and will we plan for the next one? So there's a couple things that we need to like look into. So first, let's analyze the industry's reaction during the pandemic. And these are kind of the four big things that we saw during the pandemic. So tour dates being canceled. Okay. Industry professionals being fired as many businesses liquidate and conserve money. Artists and their t- and their teams trying to figure out how to make money on the internet or even promote. And venues suffering as the pandemic is continuously drawn out and unable to receive federal aid or even charity aid in time. So there's about a million other things. Right. But Colin, do you think that the music industry will plan for the next pandemic and if so what kinds of things do you think would be important for the industry to focus on
10: so can i go down your points of like okay so a tour dates being canceled i definitely think that will be planned for in the future i think there will be more contingencies in terms of service especially when it comes to tickets and refunding Mm -hmm. um i feel like not to be like bad big business but i feel like a lot of businesses Uh, gotten a chokehold of being like if we don't refund these people's tickets they are going to crucify us into the ground. Yeah, And so I feel like I could see a giant company like a Ticketmaster or an Eventbrite being like just quietly writing in the Terms of Service. If this happens then uh, we get to keep the ticket money. (laughs) yeah, And and then you just click
9: the check mark.
10: Right. I could totally see that or some sort of thing where it's like it probably wouldn't be that egregious. It would probably be more like after 30 days, if it cannot be, if it cannot be open due to government regulate, you know what I mean? Or something more Mm legalese. So I feel like that'll be an uh, industry professionals being fired, or I will also add furloughed uh, from many businesses. I feel like in my personal experience, I was furloughed from my job with audio and stuff like that because I worked in touring. Mm -hmm. So I had a, a very good experience with that. Uh, They were very supportive they worked with me. That's not everybody's case. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like we have not hit the repercussions of that. And I've talked about this on the show a lot is touring and touring professionals and the ability for that clientele to come back. We have not hit the apex where I think we're getting to the point, especially now where these tours and shows, you know, that are all these arenas are booked up. Like we're going to talk about, But we haven't got to the point where it's like this thing's in three weeks. We need somebody to mix. Well, all your mixers have been gone. They got a different job. They did this. They've been gone for a year. You're gonna have to get somebody who's a little bit more not as experienced. And that might suffer for customers and stuff like that. I feel like if you see that happen, a lot of businesses are gonna, you know, pony up and understand that. Um then we got artists and their teams trying to figure out how to make money on the internet or even promote. That definitely has completely changed. Um, people are coming up with revenue streams that they had no idea before. And I would also like to add, I feel like everyone says that, but I would also like to importantly add people are remembering and noting income streams that they should have paid attention from this entire time. Yeah.
9: Like what they should have been focusing on before. Right. Pandemic.
10: Or at least had like some form of handle. I mean, we had our buddy Zach Green from uh, CSEC on here and we're talking about PROs and all these people basically coming up going, Where's my PRO money? I heard there's this magic PRO money. Well, <laughs> it looks like you should have been keeping up with that for a while because yeah. it could be in a black box somewhere where you know or something like that. And so we've seen that. And then on the new front, we've seen you know, Patreon has you know catapulted a lot of artists up. Live streaming in general, the idea of the, I could not imagine point pointing to someone in 2019 and going, Hey, you should just do like a live stream set. They'd be like, why, 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 yeah, why they'd could be I be like, get...
9: I'd be making more money right? playing Broadway, you and, know?
10: Yeah, exactly. And so like, what's the point? And then last is venues suffering as the pandemic is com- continuously drawn out and not receiving federal aid. I think personally, this is probably the biggest one we will not learn from. Yeah, I think there are a lot of venues, especially with how this federal aid money has gone through that will die, that will be closed And we will just forget that happened and people will just get new jobs and they will go to either a different industry or they'll collapse into different venues or they'll start their own venues. But I don't think the general public or the government has really taken a back to the impact that it has happened. Like, obviously it's like, we're all suffering, but like specifically on venues, I feel like the general public hasn't really been like, oh yeah, if your job is to attract people every day of your life, the pandemic and future viruses are going to really mess that up. Yeah. And so, yeah, I I think that's probably out of your four points here. I think that's the one that is going to go
9: down the drain. I agree. I think it also, venues are definitely taking note after this year of of like, you know what? It It's, it's one of those things where the arts is always underfunded, It's always the last thing to get funded. And to to come up with a way in order to leverage to get federal aid money in the future, I think is imperative, Um, but I agree with you. I think people, I honestly think the industry is gonna forget this happened to a certain extent, especially if it's getting insane buzz and if things go back to normal. Yeah. and we start having like very very high earning years. Right. I think that you know the industry does that all the time. You know they they have we have like these huge high earning earning years and then they have a disruptor come in and they go, "Well shit. It's the disruptor's fault right. that I'm fucked up right now."
10: I you know, I kind of agree with that and I kind of don't. I think we've well, seen Well, I think
9: in this case this was like this was out of it anybody's control. It seems like control.
10: for a lot of yeah, it seems like for a lot of people, it's more of like this happened,
9: but it's something and, that we need to learn from, right?
10: And we and, and so like I feel I I completely agree. Is people have this mentality of this happened, now it's over. You know what I mean? It's like this was like a nineteen seventeen bird flu. And now well, a hundred years from now, maybe we'll have another one. That's that bad or something. Yeah. So like, it's very specific. I, that's the last really big pandemic. I feel like that hit America on a wide scale. So that's what I was saying. Huh. And so uh, I did not know that. Yeah. I did not know. Fun. But we also teach social studies here. Yeah. The <laughs> <Tape>. um,
9: <laughs> but I guess going on of how the music industry now is coping with the pandemic, there's something that's very interesting. So we've all seen a bunch of, uh, I mean, concerts happening in our towns. We've all yeah. seen venues booked up, sold out. You might even see some people announcing their tours. But guess what? Their arenas are all booked up. Yay. (laughs) So as more and more shows begin happening, arenas are in an awkward position as a traffic jam of artists have begun attempting to book more shows than the arenas can handle, making tour planning more difficult than it has been in previous years. So acts who have pushed dates out to next year are wanting slots before 2021 is up because they're seeing everybody is selling out their shows and, and making a bunch of money and uh, and even setting some records. Um, so they're trying their best to just grab those dates and like push them up a little bit farther. You know, they'll, they'll take a pay cut, right? To get that date up higher. But many talent agents are having to navigate, having trouble also navigating COVID protocols depending on each state in their tours. So right now as a talent agent, you have this specific region, you have the Northeastern region, right? That you're booking your talent for right. it and you have to call up all these arenas and your artist decided, Hey, we're going to just book him for 2021. That's going to be it. And you got to come and you got to be like, Hey man, <laughs> he wants, he wants to do it this year. Here's kind of our deal points. We're going to change, uh, like, I don't know, we'll drop our, our advance right to this amount of money or something. If you can get us in this slot and, and we think we can sell out your show Well, the venue has the awkward thing of saying, well, tough luck, buddy, because I got like 30 other people in front of you. So there's nothing much I can do for you. Right. And would you like like a Thursday night? Yeah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) (laughs) would you like a Tuesday afternoon? Tuesday afternoon. (laughs) Yeah. But this is also because this, this, I guess, traffic jam is also caused because many artists under Live Nation and AEG are expecting to go on tour and are even getting restless because like AEG and Live Nation can't book them. And then some artists have even seen the trend and decided to hold off a bit before announcing tours due to the traffic. So they don't have to backtrack. So it's going to be really awkward if you come out and you say, Hey guys, guess what?
10: We're doing, We're shows. doing
9: a national tour. It's going to be awesome. Here are the ticket links. The next week you're like, Hey guys, guess what? <laughs> Guess we what? uh, <laughs> you you know, eight out of those ten dates that we decided to do, gone. yeah, they're gone. Right. <laughs> we, I couldn't get them booked.
10: So here's here's my thing with it. Um, there is a interesting thing that is happening here, and it has to do with how I, in my opinion, how album cycles work. When the COVID started, everyone and their mother and their manager said, "You go and make an album," and guess what they did. They made that album and they either released it during the pandemic or they saved it. I see where you're going with this. Now, what do you do? What is the point of an album? It is to do live shows now tour. (laughs) Yes, it is. That's where your money is. So all of these people now have this and we'll get into recoupable money later, which will be fun, but uh, have this money sometimes from labels that they need to pay back or people they need to actively pay back like their producers or session musicians and they need that money and they need to get on the tour and they want to as you I can see you're trying to alliterate here is hit that huge wave of demand because like we've kind of theorized and I think people are getting more into this mindset everyone and their mother is going to be like I want to go to a concert for about some period of time if you can guess it correctly you're going to be a millionaire yeah. but that period of time will not last forever. It almost reminds me of how like you see pictures of like going back to our social studies. Thank you for our educators <laughs> here uh, is like after world war two, where you see like the pictures of people in New York kissing each other. That didn't happen for 10 years. That happened for a period of time for a couple months. Everyone was happy, you know, and then it waned. <laughs> and so I feel like in the same way with this COVID stuff and opening up, And as everything gets more opened up and more vaccines, people are hoping they hit this wave because not only can they, you know, be recouped if they owe money,
9: they can make a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Especially artists who are smaller. I mean, we've seen smaller artists in, in Nashville getting sold out shows that might otherwise have not been sold out.
10: Well, you know, and the funny part is, is that there's a plethora of
9: venues that exist that have n- totally not gone under that can handle the infrastructure which, of yes. this, which is another thing because, you know, if you can't get your arena show, you're going to go to the next best thing, which is a higher, bigger capacity club or amphitheater. You hope that might not be around anymore. Right.
10: And you hope that you can go down and go, Hey, Hey, I'm a bigger person. Can you knock this down to your lower venue? Like, if I trade with this guy, will you give them the lower venue? Oh, sorry, the lower venue is also booked, so you can't do that either. So, like, it doesn't work that way. And so it's real rough. So this is going to be – this is – I literally, if you did not pick up the phone fast enough, literally sometimes days in between each other, you could – be jeopardizing having a 2021 well, tour if you're a huge artist like that because of the logistics of it too the bigger you get the more time and planning you need yeah so it's even worse
9: yeah i mean talent agents really they like what they do is they book these tours usually in a normal market they'll book the tours like a year out usually like a year to six months is kind of the the range and now they've had to play a gambling game where it's like, I'm putting all my money on red. <laughs>
10: oh, and then and... people have also already lost this game. There've been people who did this in, you know, who did this in July of last year. They said, we're putting all our money on red and they go because COVID's going to go away because it's the summertime mm-hmm. and they saw their colleagues lose. Yep. So they're, you know, in this pi- in this pickle where it's like, I think it's really back guys. I think we're in it. I think we can do it, but it's also really scary and super competitive. So, I'm afraid he's going to get burned in this situation. I don't think it's going to be the arenas. Hey,
9: this is Joe and Colin from from the Biz Tape Podcast. A podcast that serves as a catch-all for music business and media news of the week. Subscribe and listen to the Biz
10: Tape
1: on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. So at UC San Diego, out we go. Because to take on the challenges of the here and now, you got to get your feet wet, your eyes open, and your mind out there. Way out there. Turning the unknown into cures, culture, and connections with each step forward. So pack a bag, a notebook, and some sandals and get ready to look far and think further. UC San Diego. Learn more at UCSD.edu.
0: Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains?